Girlwise is a safe space to learn and discuss all kinds of topics through anecdotes and evidence-based research. I'm your host, Brenda Nicole, and welcome to Girlwise. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Girlwise. Today, we're going to speak about something that I've been debating in my mind for a little while now, and I would like to hear you guys' opinions on it. But first, I'm going to make my case. So we've heard about toxic masculinity a million times at this point. We're well aware that men upholding traits like uncalled for aggression, unhealthy emotional coping mechanisms, misogyny, controlling issues, etc. is a bad thing. But men aren't the only ones held to harmful gender roles. I absolutely love divine femininity. In fact, part of being girl-wise is to embrace it while navigating the world as a woman. But just as masculinity isn't inherently a bad thing, social expectations for femininity can sometimes turn injurious. I'm unsure about calling it toxic femininity, however. I'll explain what I think some examples of this could be, and you could make your own judgments on whether or not this is the counterpart to toxic masculinity, which has been well defined. Hey everyone! Before we begin, I wanted to give a clear and important disclaimer to ensure that listeners understand the limitations of the advice given on this podcast. I am not a professional or expert on the topics being discussed, and you should always use your own judgment when it comes to where you stand on a subject and making decisions. While I do my best to direct you in what I think is the right direction, it is always wise to consult with a qualified professional when seeking advice on a particular issue. References will be in the show notes so you can take a look at the places I'm getting my information from as well. You know your own story and situation better than anyone else, so do what is best for you always. Thank you so much and enjoy this episode. People have asked themselves what toxic femininity could consist of for a while now. The best definition that I found was, quote, Toxic femininity involves restricting your behavior to fit stereotypically feminine traits that men supposedly find pleasing, end quote. I think any other definition given to this term might just be trying to vilify and devalue women and their opinions, but that's not what I'm going to be talking about today. While there are many things that could fit into what the definition of this looks like, I'm mainly going to speak about things that have real life dangerous consequences. I don't want to fall into telling women how they should live or what a real woman looks like. This is more about helping us realize that instead, some of the things that we're doing to prove ourselves as women can be detrimental to our health and sometimes even be deadly. I first started to consider this term a reality when I heard the story of Brazilian singer Polka. In March of last year, Polka, who was 27 at the time, completely refused to pass gas because she was with her new boyfriend and claimed that they were not on, quote, farting terms. She eventually woke up to extreme abdominal pain at 5 a.m. and rushed to the hospital only for them to tell her that It was just pent-up gas in her intestines. And yes, I know that this sounds silly, like it can be easily dismissed, but ending up in the hospital for trying to cover up normal bodily functions is bonkers, if you ask me. It's like we're shamed into not being human anymore. From putting 
all kinds of chemicals on our bodies and hair, restricting our diets to fit the ideal body type, to literally ripping out our pubic hair. The list of things done for feminine approval is perturbing. Don't get me wrong, I love the self-care rituals that come with femininity, but putting into perspective the things that we do to reach pre-selected ideals really makes you stop and think. At what cost? The term beauty is pain was first said to me by a friend of mine when I was about nine. My mother was doing my hair and she pulled it and I whined in pain. And So my friend who was next to me at the time said, don't complain, beauty is pain. I had never heard that phrase before, but man, it stuck with me ever since then. The concept of making ourselves suffer for other people's enjoyment of us is appalling. It reinforces the idea that we're here to please other people and that our safety and security should come second to our outer appearances, as if we exist to please others and not live for our own comfort and prosperity. The National Institute on Health stated that women who frequently use chemical hair straighteners more than four times a year were twice as likely to develop uterine cancer as those who didn't use the products at all. Fumes from nail products can cause anything from respiratory problems to cancer and miscarriages. Douching can cause cancer, endometritis, and other health hazards. Things can get so extreme that some girls are getting skin cancer from bleaching their skin while others are getting it from tanning their skin. Or women dying on the operating table trying to get surgical makeovers. The things that we do on a daily basis in the name of beauty and being feminine are concerning. We have normalized these things to an extent that we don't even think about them twice. There is a persistent and iniquitous war on healthy women. The heavily ingrained idea of misogyny has convinced us that our healthy bodies are imperfect and therefore must be punished in the form of beauty standards. One of the biggest signs of a chronic health illness is the unprovoked loss of weight in three months. It's basically a sign that your body is losing the war on whatever it's trying to fight. So in many cases, being able to gain weight is a good thing. It means that you're flourishing in health, and yet we treat it like it's one of the worst things that can happen. We even get mad at ourselves for it. Stretch marks have been widely regarded as gross and ugly, and yet they are a remarkable sign of the human body's capability to adapt to strenuous conditions. Periods are a gateway to new life, and they're regarded as dirty. They're literally your body preparing itself to be able to nourish life within you. I don't think people understand how hard our bodies work to keep us alive and healthy. Millions of microscopic processes have to occur every minute for you to be here. It is absolutely remarkable. And yet, we still can find every excuse in the book to hate ourselves. Taking away beauty standards and looking at it through the lens of disliking our bodies for keeping us alive is insane. 
society seems to hate healthy women and all of these are western beauty standards there are some places in the world where your entire worth is defined by the way you look as a woman i guess the point of me making this episode is to ask we are hurting ourselves for what when i was in middle school i had crazy frizzy untamable quote-unquote curly hair People would go on to call me Hermione, and then later it would turn on to Hagrid, but that's not the point. And girls would tell me all the time that I should try straightening my hair, like almost on a daily basis. So I begged my mom for a hair straightener, and eventually she bought me a super cheap one that would take, and this is no exaggeration, four hours to straighten it. I finally came into school one day with the botched version of straight hair that I could manage in middle school and all the girls freaked out. Everyone was complimenting me and saying they loved it and I felt like I was on top of the moon. When I got to my chorus class, the conversation naturally came back to my hair and I will never, ever forget one of the girls that I was closest to in the group looking at me dead in the eyes and saying that I now should curl my straight hair and it would be perfect. I swear the world was put into slow motion after she said that. I couldn't believe that I had spent so many hours conforming my hair to the standard we had all been fed just to be told to curl it again, but this time the only way that curls could be desirable with a curling wand from straight hair. I realized then and there that it was never going to be enough. There was no aspect of me that I could change to be able to claim my full worth in the eyes of beauty standards. I went on to hate my thick, curly, Latina hair until I was 19 and I was diagnosed with alopecia. I had no idea how much hair I was going to lose at that time and it changed my entire world. I had taken advantage of it because I had had so much, and the thought of losing it snapped me back into reality. I recalled all the days I had screamed and cried because my hair would not cooperate, yelling at the mirror saying that I hoped I was bald and that I didn't want to have this hair anymore, and so my wish was granted. I was actually losing it, and I spent all of those years hating it for what? I grieved hard. I grieved my relationship with my hair. I grieved my sense of self. I grieved my femininity and everything in between. I fought the alopecia battle hard. There were many ups and downs, but eventually there came to a point where the bald spots were immense, and I fully accepted whatever the outcome was going to be. It was at that point, and I am not joking when I say this, that I stopped losing hair. Only a few months ago did I regain my hairline, and it has stuck ever since. Now I love, cherish, and appreciate my hair as much as I can when I have it, and every three years I chop it all off and donate it to charity. I don't want to be dependent on my hair to feel whole. I am extremely grateful for it, and the journey getting here was tough, but the unnecessary self-hate and stress over something that was always a blessing is so heartbreaking. Now I know that there will never be any beauty standard that is worth my health. 
With all of this being said, the reason why I'm unsure about the term toxic femininity is because it most certainly, in my opinion, is not the counterpart to toxic masculinity. Toxic masculinity causes war, systematic oppression, and gender inequality, and so on and so forth. While the traits I described most certainly do affect women as a whole, the harm is towards our own selves. So they're not totally comparable. So we are going to close off on our final segment, Ask Me Anything. This question comes from Kiera. She asks, can you talk more about respecting your own boundaries? So um, she's talking about my boundaries episode that I had. I think it was episode four, three or four, the breakdown of boundaries. Yes, when it comes to self-boundaries, I think you have to define why you're setting the boundary in the first place. Having a clear understanding of what will change for us once we do start taking action is a great place to start so that you can remind yourself of the benefits of not only setting the boundary but reinforcing it. Let's say, for example, you want to start speaking up for yourself more. You want to set this boundary because maybe you're uncomfortable with other people making decisions on your behalf or they say things that you don't agree with, but you haven't said anything to let them know otherwise, so they maintain the idea that you agree with what they're saying. Once you have set your reasons as to why this boundary must exist and how you will benefit from it, then you can begin taking action. So next time someone speaks for you, you no longer keep quiet, but voice your own opinion. But I completely understand how this could be very scary if you're not used to doing so. You might start to think of all the things that could go wrong or you could lose if you do. This is the make or break part. If you are clear on why you're setting these limits and you firmly believe that they are needed to better your life, then that is the push that you should use to get there. Consistency is key in these scenarios and you mustn't back down from doing what is best for you from fear of facing uncomfortable feelings. In my case, my biggest boundary, like I mentioned, and I'm still working on, is going to sleep at a reasonable time. I know that this boundary must be set for myself because I feel terrible when I don't have a set sleep schedule, and this is necessary for my health. There are weeks where I do go to sleep early every day, and then there are others where it gets away from me again. This is when I reevaluate things and remind myself why I'm doing it in the first place. You can also do things that help you slowly ease into the habit of, for the speaking up example, you could try speaking up before confrontation is needed. For my sleeping one, I have put a million locks and timers on my phone to get me to turn it off and go to sleep. So I hope that answers your question and helps you a little bit navigating self-boundaries. It's much easier said than done, but I definitely do think it can be done. So that is it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I have been looking at my analytics recently and there are people all over the world listening to this podcast and I want to thank each and every single one of you. It means so much. I work as hard as I can on these episodes. If you want to send in a question for Ask Me Anything, the email you can send it to is girlwisepod at gmail.com, G-I-R-L-W-I-S-E-P-O-D at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, and I'll see you in the next episode. Goodbye!